It improves the flavor of fruits and vegetables. And the big one, we know that it is really important for plant health. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we increase yields and improve profits. Welcome to the 12 Days of Nutrients. I hope the holiday season is bringing you joy. And today, we're on day eight. We're going to talk about copper. And as we look at copper, let's look at some of the things that the essential sheet says. It says that copper is a, it catalyzes several plant processes. It is a major function in photosynthesis. It has a major function in reproductive stages. It has an indirect role in chlorophyll production. It increases sugar content. It intensifies color. It improves the flavor of fruits and vegetables. And the big one, we know that it is really important for plant health. Oftentimes, we hear it referred to as the disease preventer. It has been used in the past as a natural, so to speak, fungicide, pesticide, and it doesn't really kill anything, but it does make the plant healthier so the plant can tolerate more pests. It also makes it so the pests want to go somewhere else. As you guys well know, pests are attracted to the weakest plants. That's the law of nature. So if your plant, because it's important to understand that our boron is complexed, and that's a different process than chelation. We've not we don't chelate our boron. We It's called a complexing process. A lot of different companies out there, due to the high input prices and mostly due to high grain prices, we're seeing people come out of the woodwork with new bright ideas, new bright ideas that have no testing behind them. They have a lot of theories. I know that one of our people got a hold of us this week. They went to a meeting. They were very confused because the people at the meeting we're talking about this fantastic chelator that they had, and it was actually a complexing agent. It didn't chelate. What's the difference? A complexing agent grabs hold of zinc or copper or whatever it might be and hangs on to it, okay? But it's just two things that are kind of stuck together. A chelator, chelate is a Greek word for cloth. So what it means is you take that zinc ion or that copper ion, and all of a sudden you take this EDTA chelating agent, and it does this, and it grabs it in a C. Which one of those do you think is stronger? When people get to talking to you about this fantastic hot new idea they've got, tell them you want to see the stability constants. If they will show you the stability constants, and then all of a sudden you can start to say, okay, how does that compare to another one? Ask them if their product can be co-applied with glyphosate, if they'll guarantee it to hold together. If their manganese that's complexed can be put into glyphosate with a warranty. Because that's a big telltale, because you've got to have a strong chelator to keep manganese from being tied up in with the glyphosate. And so I just wanted to touch on that. All the rest of the products that we're going to talk about here and in regards to micronutrients that we have are going to be chelated. And it is the strongest chelating agent that we have ever been able to find. That's why we use it. And I just want to make sure that you guys are on the same page when you're looking at quality. One other quick thing. Ronald Reagan said that the scariest words in the English language are, Hi, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help you. And I happen to agree with that statement to a very larger degree. And I say that because there are laws that say, if you chelate part of the zinc in the jug, part of the copper in the jug, part of the manganese in the jug, you can write chelated zinc, chelated copper, chelated manganese. Now, it doesn't have to all be chelated in order to say that because some of it is chelated 
but maybe the lion's share of it is not. What does that mean? That zinc hits the ground, it ties up, probably with phosphorus, almost instantaneously, and then neither that phosphorus nor the zinc will go into your plant. Our products are 100% chelated. One of the easiest ways to tell is I just need to know what a gal- what a two and a half gallon jug weighs. Ours weigh 11.2. I look at a lot of jugs that weigh 10.8 or 10.9. Why is that? Because the chelating agent is an extra three-tenths of a pound. Now know this, zinc is expensive, but chelating agent is way more expensive. Copper is expensive, but chelating agents are very expensive. The money that you save by not chelating everything is rather substantial. However, the problem with it is you don't get to utilize any of that. And so you're basically back to that same thing. You're taking a warm shower so you feel better right now, but in another day, you're going to need to do it again. And that's kind of how that works if they're not chelated. So let's jump in here and look at the Midwest Labs Agronomy Handbook. Guys, free download. Go to Midwest Labs, hit them up. They'll let you print it off or you can buy it for probably 10 bucks. And let's talk about copper. Copper becomes less available as the pH increases. However, in soils with high organic matter, the availability of copper may be more closely associated with what? The organic matter content than the pH. Guys, organic matter is your friend. Hang on to it. So we want to make sure that we're hanging on to that so that we can have it to use. Crops frequently respond to copper applications on soils and high organic matter. These guys, to some degree, are doing a little bit of a shotgun here. And I want to share with you, there's no reason to shotgun. Pull the soil test. We'll send it into our lab. They'll come back and they'll tell you if you need copper or not. Because you get into the lot of the guys that don't sell it. Oh, copper can be toxic. Yeah, so can water. We've already talked about that in a previous session, guys. That's the bottom line. So as we take a look at that, then we are knowing that we've got to do the soil test so we can get the right amount. It says that Canadian studies have shown that in organic soils, there's an interdependency between copper and manganese, as both elements are held similarly in a complex form by the soil organic matter. Heavy copper application might result in a manganese deficiency, while the addition of manganese can release copper from being complex, thus causing more copper absorption by the plant. So now what is it saying? It's important to have your manganese levels where you need it, in order to get your copper to be available to your plant. And so that's really important. We want to make sure that we are doing everything that it tells us in that soil test. And there's no reason to guess at it, guys. It is based off of the test. Copper has an important role in plant growth as an enzyme activator. And it is just similar to magnesium. And as a part of certain enzymes which function in plant restoration, it is very important in the plant's reproductive stage of growth. Guys, if we want proper reproduction, there are some, everything is important. There's nothing you can skip, but copper is a big one. Boron is a big one. And so we want to make sure that we're meeting those needs, that we're soil testing, doing exactly what it calls for, and we're not going to put it on to the point that it's toxic. We're going to be putting on the exact right amount because we know how much to use. Another thing that Life and Energy book says is that we need to consider that copper is the key to elasticity in a plant as well as mold control. That by using the right amount of copper, we can help cut down on the mold problems that we have. Is it gonna fix it? Is it gonna cure it? Probably not. Is it gonna reduce it? Absolutely, and so we wanna make sure that we do that. And guys, this here ran across something that I just love as an example. Deficiency symptoms are the result of a chain reaction of events that the current system does not take into account. And here's the example, guys. If you have a rust spot on your pickup truck, 
and it has rusted through from the underneath side, does it correct the rust problem to say there is a paint deficiency and just paint over the spot? Oftentimes in agriculture, that's what we're doing. There's rust from the inside, but we just give it a DuPont overhaul and think we're going to be okay. But the problem is, it's still there. Here's the major flaw with a single nutrient fix philosophy. Quality. Can you hide a lot of problems? You can hide rust with a little bit of Bondo and paint, but it doesn't last very long, and it's not the right way to do it. And thinking we're going to fix something with just one nutrient is the same way. When that nutrient is added to the crop, did the health and the quality improve as well? Or did we just hide the real problem? Did we just take a can and paint over the problem? Because I think more than likely that's what we did. And I I love that analogy to uh, think about what we're doing. And we don't want to be spray painting over rust, guys. That's the bottom line. We just don't. Out of the Fertilizer Institute, grabbing their thoughts on copper here. Actually, just in, in copper deficiency symptoms. In corn, the yellowing between the leaf veins. So again, we've got intervenal striping, just like we can have with some of the other nutrients. So the fact that we get this doesn't always just give us one, It can, but it can narrow it down. But we got to know what we're looking for. It talks about the fact that annual applications are usually required on high organic soils because the applied copper might be getting tied up in that organic matter. Synthetic chelates are three to five times as effective as inorganic sources, three to five times. Natural organic complexes are somewhat less effective than synthetic chelates. I'll read that one more time because some of you are going to meetings and they're telling you this isn't true. This is their book. This is from the Fertilizer Institute. And what do they say? Natural organic complexes are somewhat less effective than synthetic chelates. And that's important, guys, because if we're going to buy something, we want to make sure that we're getting everything that we pay for. We want to be able to utilize all of it. We want to get it into the plant, not just into the dirt. Again, the Western Fertilizer Handbook says, Copper is an activator of other elements in the plant and appears to have a regulating function when soil nitrogen is too high. So if we've overused nitrogen... And guys, I'm not going to get into this. I've got some people that are somehow have come up to the conclusion, I don't think you should use any fertilizer. And that's 100% incorrect. 100%. I think you should be trying to get your nitrogen down from 1.2 pounds per bushel to 0.7. I think that's a far better plan because I believe that that 50 cents a bushel cost of production is worth going after and sticking in your pocket. Okay? Everything that happens is good for somebody. The question is who? If you're using 1.2 pounds of nitrogen to get a bushel of corn, it's a better deal for the guy selling the nitrogen. If you're using 0.7, then it's a better deal for you because that's 50 cents a bushel profit for you. But in the event that we need to hedge our bets and we had a little too much nitrogen out there, something goes wrong and there's an excess, copper appears to have a regulating function when soil nitrogen is too high. And we want to make sure that we're going to take care of that and have everything in order to get the best potential out of every acre that we farm. Copper has been almost totally ignored in agriculture, according to the book from the Soil Up, yet it plays an extremely important role in the plant's reproductive stages and in photosynthesis. In the past, copper has served as a fungicide. We have set the soil level standards for copper between 2 parts per million and 3 parts per million. We believe that two parts per million should be the minimum, and we prefer that we work towards three parts per million. 
And so we know what the, the base is. We go, we look at our soil test and say, do we have this? Yes, no. And then we can ascertain what we need to do and what corrective action that we need to take. Again, I think probably of all my books that uh, hands-on agronomy might be my favorite. There were some comments the other day that someone was talking about, and I would highly recommend that they read this. This is an incredible book. It's just loaded with information, and it's not theory. It's Neil going out and doing the work, walking the fields, doing the test, seeing it come all the way through. What happens if nitrogen is overapplied? First of all, it induces a zinc deficiency, and zinc is instrumental to moisture absorption. And therefore, it takes a lot more water to do the same job in corn production. Also, excessive amounts of nitrogen tie up copper. And copper confers stock strength to the plant. We want stock strength, stock health. That's it. That's why we want to make sure that we have that adequate copper there. Because if we don't, we're going to come up holding the bag and we're more likely to have our corn lodge. And nobody wants to go out and shell a bunch of corn that's down. That's just not that much fun. This is talking about the, and, and if you've never seen Molder's Ball, I really encourage you to just Google it. Google Molder's Ball, and it talks about all of these different interactions between these different nutrients. You know, that copper is very much tied to iron, very much tied to zinc and cadmium. And we're not going to get into cadmium, but that is not your friend, and copper helps you with that. It's very much tied into phosphorus. And he says that potassium is the first key for stock strength in the right amount. But the crop also has to have enough copper and enough manganese in order to have stock strength. And so we're looking at all of the different nutrients saying, what is this going to do for me? How is it going to help me? And what have I got to do to make sure I have it at the proper level? Copper is a micronutrient needed in small amounts when compared to N, P, K, sulfur, and limestone. All of these nutrients are needed in adequate amounts before trying to increase production capabilities with trace elements such as copper. Guys, this is, copper is not the fix-all. If you're short in manganese and you're short in potassium and you put copper on, you're still going to have disease problems. You're still going to have stock strength problems. So you don't want to do that. Also, please know that excessive zinc levels can lead to serious copper deficiencies. Having, if you naturally have high zinc levels, that probably is creating a copper deficiency. It's important to chlorophyll formation in the plants. Copper helps increase the sugar content of fruits and vegetables. Copper will increase stock strength in combination with potassium and manganese, which enables the crops to withstand higher rates of nitrogen without lodging problems. And in this regard, adequate copper seems to increase the uptake efficiency of plants receiving ammonium forms of N. When we do everything right, that's how we drive that nitrogen use down, guys. If we're able to uptake more in, we don't have to put as much out there. And all of a sudden, I am not against fertilizing because we want to grow every bushel that we can grow, but we want to grow it at a cost of production less than the selling price. And so when we can do that, the copper product is one that's very important for helping us get those down. Again, Neil talks about anything below two parts per million copper means that you have a deficiency, and he would like to see five parts per million instead of three. And so it depends on which person you want to talk to, but they all agree you've got to have at least two, and you definitely want to be gunning for three as you're looking to get your levels where you want them. He's talking about a grower that he went and he walked with, and he said, I have the weakest stocks here. And Neil said, all right, well, let's go take a look. And then we went through all the data, and he hit two parts per million in copper in every field. In each case, he lost corn from lodging. But the lower the copper level was, the worse the corn was lodged. Wheat is another crop that responds well to copper. If other nutrient needed nutrients are adequate, but you are below two parts per million copper, 
and you put enough copper on your wheat to get above two parts per million, it will produce an extra five bushels of wheat. Guys, that's based on real field experience, going out, doing the work, taking the test, walking the fields, and following it through to see what we got in the way of a response. Coming out of soil fertility and fertilizers, these guys are actually saying that deficiencies are probably there in the tissue. If it's in the tissue, you need 0.4 parts per million. So that everybody we talk to is probably moving this number up. I think they're seeing more and more and more reason to have adequate copper in the plant and how much it takes. It talks about that both photosynthesis, which is the reduction of CO2 to carbohydrates, and respiration, which is the oxidation of carbohydrates into CO2, involves the transfer of electrons that require copper. During the reproductive stage, carbohydrates accumulate because copper deficiency impedes pollination and seed set. Copper deficiency also alters the lipid structure in the cell membranes, and that is essential for low temperature tolerance and resistance to other environmental stress. Guys, we're wanting to drought-proof our crop. We're wanting to stress-proof our crop. How do we do that? We get everything correct. It's not about just putting on a ton of one nutrient, and I don't care which nutrient it is. There's, that's not the answer to any of them. The answer is, is to do exactly what it needs. Everything matters. And so what do we want to do? We want to make sure that we're doing everything that it takes, that we're meeting all these essential needs and we're doing the right things. Guys, it's been a pleasure to do this session with you. We're going to be coming back with day nine soon. We'll look forward to you tuning in then. And if you need us, reach out 641-919-1206. Text, call, send a smoke signal, whatever works for you. Who doesn't love a Charlie Brown Christmas, right? I just want to say to you guys, Merry Christmas, and I hope you're having a better day. A better way to farm.com. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.